Hi there, esteemed audience, and welcome to another episode of Middle Grade Ninja. I'm Rob Kent. As you know, I'm the author of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees and Banneker Bones and the Alligator People, my two favorite books. Um, these are the stories of a, um, a biracial 11-year-old boy genius detective. He's an inventor of robots. He's got a jetpack. He wears a trench coat. The inner pockets of that trench coat are lined with all kinds of gadgets. Uh, he's got a grappling hook. He's got smoke bombs. Um, he's got a uh, blowtorch. He's got evidence baggies. Uh, basically, whatever's in Batman's utility belt, he's got there in the uh, trench coat. Uh, and together they solve uh, mysteries and fight monsters such as giant robot bees and alligator people. I am currently working on an untitled third Banneker Bones adventure, uh, and I can't get enough of this. If you're curious about Banneker Bones, you can get the first book, Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees, as a paperback and audiobook narrated by the exquisite David Radke. And the ebook is free to download whenever you're watching or listening to this, wherever fine ebooks are sold. So if you're curious, go ahead, download a free copy of the ebook of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees. Once you're hooked, come back and see me for Banneker Bones and the Alligator People and bring money. Uh, if you like the show, if you like the books, uh, if you're wondering what could I do for this Rob Kent fellow who's done so much for me free of charge, providing this wonderful show uh, week after week. If you have a library card and you're listening to a show about reading and writing, so I assume you have a library card, the next time you're at the library, request for your librarian order a copy of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees if they don't have one already. That way you can read the paperback for free and maybe somebody else can as well. So that's Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees. Download your free copy. Uh, under the super secret pen name Robert Kent, I've written some horror novels, such as the adult, uh, young adult horror novel, all together now a zombie story and all right now a short zombie story and then the very adult series the book of david the book of david is a five volume horror novel in the style of stephen king uh, very adult uh, so if that appeals to you if you're curious you can get the first chapter chapter one of the book of david you can download that as an ebook for free uh, whenever you're watching or listening to this wherever fine ebooks are sold so check out the book of david by robert kent not rob uh, coming up here on the Middle Grade Ninja uh, podcast YouTube show thing, uh, we are going to have literary agent Molly O'Neill here on June 11th. That's Tuesday. Uh, and then uh, next week, we're also going to have New York Times bestselling author uh, Amber Smith. And she will be here on Friday, which is the 14th. Uh, so make sure you tune in next week. If you say, Rob, I can't wait that long. I got to have more interviews now. Don't you worry. You head to middlegradeninja.com. Uh, you've got to read some of them. But by God, we've got interviews with uh, hundreds of literary agents, publishing professionals, and all my favorite authors, uh, not to mention guest posts by some wonderful authors. So if you're looking for writing information and you're here, uh, check out middlegradeninja.com. Uh, today, I am very excited. We're going to be chatting with author Dustin Brown, and we're going to have a wonderful conversation. Uh, Dustin, how are you this evening? Hey, great, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for uh, making the time for us. Uh, and if you would, why don't we start? Uh, I always say I'm, I'm terrible about summarizing other people's books and other people's biographies. Uh, so if you'd start us off just by letting esteemed audience know a little bit about you and your background. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to, to share. So um, I grew up reading. I, I loved reading. Um, they say that the, the your favorite books in the world are the ones you read when you were 10 years old. And, and I don't know about me, but I, I, uh, I don't know about you, but when I was 10 years old, I, I loved books that were funny. 
Um, they had lots of adventure. And, and I remember those were those made me want to be a writer. So I always wanted to write books like that when I grew up. Um, so I got older. I uh, went to school for journalism and I got some journalism jobs out of school. Um, I worked at a local newspaper for a little while. Uh, I was an editor at a, a magazine for high school athletes. Um, but I never wrote that book that I wanted to write. Um, so about eight years after I graduated, I got um, I started uh, a side business working on Amazon, um, selling on Amazon. Uh, my wife and I kind of did it on the side and, and pretty soon we were doing so well with that. Um, it was I was making more than I was at my job. So I quit my job to do that full time. Um, so I was doing that for a couple years and, and, you know, I was always on Amazon. I was always researching projects and uh, I saw, you know, I would come across books and uh, going through those books and I would see, um, you know, a, a lot of self-published books and looking through them. I, I'd start, you know, read some of them I'm like, man, I can do that. Like, I want to do that. Um, and, and so I knew Amazon really well. And, and I, you know, I still had that um, itch to write. Um, so I just I just one day I did. I, I was like, all right, I'm going to write my favorite book uh, for when I was 10 years old. Um, so I, I sat down and thought about things I liked when I was 10 years old. Uh, video games were at the top of that list. Uh, so I wrote um, a book. I called it Trapped in a Video Game. Um, and you, you can probably imagine what it was about. And uh, and my brother is an illustrator, actually. And so that works out really well for me. So he did the cover um, and, and some interior illustrations. And then uh, we put up on Amazon. Um, I ran some Amazon ads and uh, first couple days, nothing, you know, and, and go by in a week and two weeks. And, you know, I, I would get some reviews from friends and family and things like that. Um, and, and pretty soon the, the sales started trickling in, started coming in. Um, and after about a month and a half, I don't know if it caught on the al Amazon algorithm or whatever, um, but it started getting really regular sales. And, um, you know, then it started getting reviews from people I didn't know, which was great. Uh, and, um, you know, and it started selling maybe 10, 20 a day and, and a little bit more from there. And uh, it, it became kind of a big thing. Um, so I went on to write some more books in that series. Um, and then eventually the next year, uh, it actually, I got a call from Andrews McMeal, a uh, publisher, and they, they wanted to acquire it. And I said no, uh, because uh, it was doing really well for me self-published. Um, and we talked some more um, and I decided to uh, to do it, to take that, make that experiment. So um, in April of last year, they, they republished the first book in the series. And then over the next couple months, uh, we did the whole series. Um, in February, the fifth and final book, um, they published that. Uh, and it's been doing really well. It's connecting with um, reluctant readers. Um, I think, uh, you know, just on Amazon people, it was a market that I didn't really, wasn't really aware of, um, but, uh, you know, of reluctant readers. Um, and so parents, uh, you know, if a kid doesn't like reading, he almost certainly likes video games. And so, um, you know, my book would come to the top of those lists. And uh, since I wrote it for my 10 year old self, um, the, those 10 year old kids really, really connected with it, um, which led to, to good reviews, thankfully. And, um, you know, that kind of built on itself. So that's that's kind of my story. Um, I've written, uh, obviously, several other self-published books. Um, uh, Superhero for a Day is one. I wrote uh, one uh, called Layla Nugget, which is a series of mysteries for younger kids. Um, but that's kind of my story, my journey where I'm at right now. Fantastic. That's uh, a lot very fast. And we're going to we're going to show that we're going to pick some of that apart. because uh, There's a whole bunch of great advice uh, in there that I know you've got to share with this. Uh, but let me just start with a nice softball. Um, why middle grade? Did you always want to write middle grade? Was that the book you dreamed of? Yeah, you know, um, a couple reasons. Uh, one, like, I don't know how to write a 100,000 word book. And so, um, you know, some short 20,000 words is, is more my speed. Uh, and also, you know, like I said at the beginning, 
those were the books that I, I that I, I loved the most, you know, and, and I, I just always remember I wanted to write something like that. Um, and uh, so and I, I work with kids um, at my church. I run the kids church at my church. Um, and I, I just I love that age group and that age range. And um, it always seemed to make sense for me to do that. And how long had you been uh, running and working with the, running the thing for the church and, and working with kids prior yeah. to writing Trap for it in a video game? Um, about uh, like eight, ten years or so. Um, so, yeah, every week now um, we have about 100 kids uh, down there and, and I'm responsible for them for a while. <laughs> so you got to figure out how to keep them um, from jumping out the, off the walls and, uh, you know, and, and teach them something along the way. Plus, what a wonderful opportunity every week for just first-rate market research. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> sure, sure. You get a lot of good stories. And do you uh, do you test uh, things out on them? Do you have them come, come sit and let me uh, read just a little bit of my new book? <laughs> no, no, nothing like that. Um, you know, I have I, – I don't I don't really push the, the books there, but I have had kids come up and, um, you know, there's uh, – this kid um, that that just recently, uh, Arthur is a first grader, um, and he came up and, and he found my books in the library and he was real excited and he's uh, you know telling the library to get more of them, um, which is real cool. So, uh, but no, I don't don't try don't really test anything out on him. God bless you, Arthur. Go out there and uh, <laughs> go to as many libraries as you can. And yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what. Um... So with uh, well, let's start with uh, trapped in a video game. Sure. Uh, obviously, the title uh, gives us a nice direct summary, which is great because the, the the child reader knows what they're getting into. Parents know what the book is about. It's just very straightforward. Um, but elaborate just a little bit. What is the story of uh, trapped in a video game? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's a kid who gets trapped in a video game. Um, but it was uh, is kind of based on um, I don't know if you remember uh, the '90s uh, or Nickelodeon or uh, Nickelodeon show Nickelodeon Arcade, um, and uh, it was a regular Nickelodeon game show. But at the end of the show, um, these doors would open up, smoke would pour out, and these kids, the two kids who won the game show portion, um, would run through, and they would end up in a video game. It was a '90s video game. Um, and they would have to play the video game to win uh, the prize. And so I just remember uh, seeing that I didn't have cable growing up, but my friend on the street, Anthony Laporta, did. Um, and uh, I saw uh, Nickelodeon Arcade once over Anthony Laporta's house. And um, it just like blew my mind. And it was something I always thought about. And I'm sure it's something that a lot of kids always think about because there's a lot of things. Um, yeah, there are a lot of books and, and movies and shows based on that idea of getting trapped in a video game. But I just remember for me, that was something I really identified with. Um, so in the book, uh, there's two main characters, Jesse and Eric. Um, and uh, I picked those names because Jesse is my uh, brother. Um, he's the one who did the illustrations and the cover. Um, Jesse loves video games. And uh, the only person who loves video games maybe more than Jesse that I know is Eric, um, is my friend across the street. Um, and so I remember, you know, all the time going over Eric's house and me and Jesse and Eric um, would always play, you know, Super Smash Brothers, Mario Kart, and all those games together. So I just remember a lot of good times playing uh, with those guys. So I wanted to kind of capture that spirit of, you know, of that adventure, um, you know, the video games and things like that. So in the book, um, Jesse uh, is just kind of a serious kid. He doesn't like video games. Um, Eric loves video games. And uh, so Eric uh, is trying out this new video game called Full Blast. Um, there's uh, aliens that come to Earth, and it's a whole thing. Um, and, and so he gets he ends up getting sucked inside um, and he invites Jesse unbeknownst to Jesse what's going to happen. And so Jesse um, also gets sucked inside and then uh, obviously they have to get out. They're trapped. Um, and so I tried to take it in a little bit of a different direction than, you know, you would usually think. Um, and I'm pretty happy with the way it turned out.
Uh, so that's the first book in the series. And there, like I said, there's five. So there's, there's different types of video games um, that they go inside. And I had a lot of fun uh, with that. You know, some of the call out to some of my favorite ones growing up and things like that. And are you still a video gamer even now? Um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, I'm not good at them and I don't play them uh, that much, but I got a Switch, a Nintendo Switch last year. Um, and so I uh, just the other day I was playing um, Super Smash Brothers with Jesse and Eric, uh, my brother Scott, too. So um, I do a little bit, uh, but I'm not very good at them. Well, that's high living for uh, folks watching or listening to this. That's, sure. that's that uh, sweet author life you're dreaming of. Get yourself a <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've got uh, my PlayStation 4 waiting for me in uh, just the other room. Oh, very good. <laughs> nice. And um, well, let me uh, um, let me ask you, um, when uh, you come in here and it's, it's five book series, did you know from book one that you wanted to do four additional books? Or when did you start to plan those out? Or are you doing them just as they come one at a time? You know, kind of um, a little bit of both. I kind of um, envision as a three book series at first. Uh, and I didn't have a specific endpoint in mind. I just had two different things that I wanted to hit. You know, I wanted um, one of them, the, the video game characters, to come out in the real world. Um, and, I, and then I wanted to go uh, back in time like an 8-bit video game. Uh, so those were the only two that I had for sure. Uh, and then as I was going, I, I came up with some other ideas. And so um, I remember one, one, two, and three. After two, I, I thought I was going to finish with three. Um, I remember one specific moment when I was walking the dog halfway through writing book three. I'm like, oh, man, I got a great idea for four. Uh, and then that turned into four and five. And then um, by that point... Uh, you know, it's, you can only, you can only get sucked into so many video games. Uh, so, so I thought that was a good way to end it. Um, but uh, a little bit of both. Well, I don't know. There's probably other uh, children in the universe that could maybe be sucked into a future video game. Who knows? Sure. Well, you never know. <laughs> and is that when you, uh, when you get your most brilliant inspired ideas is when you're out walking the dog? Um, yeah, uh, well, that, that helps. Yeah. It mostly, uh, when I sit down and, to write and usually, uh, when I, when I, I think that I'm not going to get it when I'm sit down to write. So that's when you don't sit down and write. Um, but you know, usually when you sit down and write, but yeah, if I'm thinking about it, when I'm walking the dog in the shower, when you're driving, um, you get, you get some inspiration, but mostly it's when you're sitting down and, and doing the hard work, unfortunately. It was uh, Jessica Lawson two or three episodes back. I don't know. Check the back catalog, esteemed audience. They're all great shows, but Jessica Lawson is, a, is an interview you want to go back and check out. Uh, and she got her biggest idea when she was dusting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I get a lot of my big ideas when I'm when I'm out taking my morning walks. Uh, although right now it's uh, summer break, so I'm uh, taking my five-year-old with me everywhere we go. And we go to the park and... Uh, I'll have half an idea, and then I have to say, no, don't do that. Put that down. And then... <laughs> yeah, I hear you there. I have to put a bookmark in that and check back later. Sure. Uh, and so something that uh, you said in the description, and, and you said here as well, is that this is a book you've written specifically for reluctant readers. Uh, so I'm always curious, um, what are the best ways to write books for reluctant readers and to overcome that uh, initial reluctance and get them interested? Yeah, so um, I have a couple ideas about it. I think um, for me, I didn't set out to write a book for reluctant readers. I wasn't even aware of the term reluctant reader um, when I started writing. Um, I just wrote a book that I, I wrote it specifically, you know, I, for, for when I was 10 years old. 
um, and, and just thinking through every step of the way. You know, there's not a lot of description in it because I didn't care for a lot of description uh, when I was 10 years old. There's a lot of action. There's a lot of cliffhangers because that's what I liked when I was 10 years old. Um, and so it turns out I liked a lot of the same things that reluctant readers like. So I got, got that feedback from, um, you know, parents and teachers and in reviews and things like that. Um, and so, so looking back at it, some of the things that I do um, is, you know, I, I just naturally keep the chapters pretty short. Um, so the chapters are about a thousand words each. Um, we got a lot of feedback that that's, you know, a good range for uh, bedtime stories, kids that are maybe even six, seven years old and, and their parents read to them before bed. Um, you know, it's a good 10 minutes uh, read aloud in, in class and things like that. Um, so that 10 minute, a uh, thousand words um, works for me for reluctant readers. Um, you know, one of the biggest things I think is just something that kids are interested in. And, uh, you know, I think for most reluctant readers, if you give them a book um, and it's a good book, they'll probably like it. Uh, but, you know, it's just that that initial like you know, book. Right. Um, and so so I just think that, that having a video game in there. Um, kind of gets them. And then and then the first chapter, there's a lot of humor um, to kind of take them off guard. Um, and, and so, like I said, it's just things that I liked when I was a kid, you know, um, and, and it's a, a thousand word chapters. There's like 20 of them and almost every one of them has a cliffhanger. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe that's not uh, that artful of a thing to do, but I just know that I liked it when I was 10 years old. And, um, you know, it's uh, and it seems to connect well with, with those types of readers. So that kind of thing, um, you know, just naturally the way I write, I don't use a lot of big words. Um, and, and long sentences and things like that. And so, uh, you know, just the language, there's not a lot to, there's not a big barrier there. Um, so I just think that, you know, keeping that focus on, on me when I was a kid, um, it just naturally connects with those kind of readers. Um, and, and fortunately, I'm in the same thing, into the same kind of things that they are. Perfect. That makes uh, makes life easy when you're uh, you're naturally interested. Uh, so to get really uh, nerdy really early, um, yeah. With language and vocabulary, how do you screen to make sure that your vocabulary uh, is age appropriate, that it's going to be easy to read for your target audience? Um, I don't have any way that I don't, I don't use tools or anything like that. Um, my books, uh, the Trapped in a Video Game books are in um, Accelerated Reader Program, and so it gets a Lexile score um, through that. And, and the score is generally around fourth grade, uh, late third grade, early fourth grade. Um, and that's just, I don't know, I think that's just generally how I write. Um, I'll go through my books and, and, and sometimes I'll go back and, and see language I'll use where I'll say, okay, I can use a simpler word there. Um, but, but just naturally, uh, the way that I edit and write, um, is, uh, is, is using those, those shorter words and, and, you know, easier to understand words rather than uh, a long 50 cent word. Um, so that generally, uh, you know, I, I might have to go back and change a couple things when I'm reading through and catch a couple things, but generally, uh, you know, it's, it's in that, that fourth grade level. Um, and that's, that's just the way that I write usually. Brilliant. And uh, let's stay nerdy uh, for a minute. Do you have a, um, a specific um, sort of guideline for a cutoff on how many words per sentence, how many sentences per paragraph, or is it just by eye kind of get, you've got a feel for what you want and, and go from there? Yeah, definitely by eye. I mean, I do, you know, if I see big paragraphs, that's a little bit of a red flag to me. And so I got to, I go back through that paragraph and it's got to be a really interesting paragraph to be that long. You know, if it's, and so it's laid out on a page, I see, um, I write in Scrivener and, and in there, it's a little bit harder to tell how long things are because of the size of the page. But, you know, when you see it on an actual page, 
sometimes I go back, oh, that's, that's long, and see if I can break it up. Um, generally, I, I'm writing a, a lot of dialogue in there. Um, and so it's, it, that's real short going back and forth, back and forth. Um, but in the long paragraphs, um, you know, a lot of times it's an observation or, or maybe a jokey thing and I'm okay keeping that long. Um, but if it's a long description or a long something else, that's a little bit of a red flag to me to, to kind of go back and look at it, um, see if there's some way that we can maybe, um, chop that up a little bit. Um, and again, not, it's not, it's not something that I, that I look too far into because if I'm reading through the, the story and it's something that's really engaging, um, I don't think that kids care that much, uh, if it's a long paragraph, you know, they're not going to get too scared away. Um, but especially at the beginning of the book, um, you know, to try to stay away from that. That makes sense. Going to make sure you've got them uh, fully hooked and then maybe yeah. drop a longer sentence or two in there. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, do you use uh, beta readers or do you get some of the kids from your youth class to, to read an early manuscript? How do you how do you get feedback before it's uh, out in the world? Boy, um, I don't too much. No, I uh, when I first started, um, my uh, cousin Grant uh, is it was in sixth grade um, and uh, he's was, he was kind of in my target audience range. You know, he was, he was kind of like me when I was a kid. And so I gave him the books to read. Um, and he was very into it. And uh, so that was a good sign. Um, but, you know, now I kind of have a feel. I'm a little bit more confident in it. And um, I don't have too many beta readers. I give it to my wife to read. And uh, she picks up on uh, a lot of stuff that I won't. Um, and uh, I give it to my brother to read. Um, and usually one or two other people. But I don't have a lot of beta readers. Um, and, again, maybe I, I probably should have more. Um, but at this time, I don't. Well, what you're doing is working. I'm, I'm just curious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to ask about your, your brother, uh, Jesse, right? Yep. Uh, and Jesse designs your covers, does your illustrations. So what does that collaboration look like? How often are you meeting? How uh, how are you working out the, the business between you? Yeah. So um, I live in Ohio. He lives in Florida. Um, and it's been uh, it's been interesting. Um, it was interesting getting started because you're getting started and, you know, the track record for indie books making money is not good. Um, and, uh, you know, he's a professional illustrator and, uh, you know, he, he, he gets paid actual money. Um, and so, and, and I'm asking him to put a lot of hours into a cover um, that's probably not going to make a lot of money. And so, you know, we're kind of trying to figure out a, a solution to that. Um, so fortunately we worked out a thing, um, where, you know, he, we started out and, and I paid him the brother rate. Um, so, uh, you know, I paid him, paid him less than market value, but we kind of worked out a, a little, uh, a tier system where, you know, if it hit this amount, this amount or this amount, and then finally, if it hit this amount of sales, um, it would get up to, to the, the market rates value. Um, and so the, the first chapter in the video game, it, we got to that, that market rate value real soon. Um, and then, and unfortunately I've been able to just to pay on the market rate going forward. So that was the thing that could have been a little tricky, um, at the beginning, but it worked out well. Uh, and, and it's, uh, the collaboration part is, um, is something that we've gotten better at for sure. Uh, we use Slack to go back and forth and I'll send them a lot of references, up front, you know, um, I'll, we'll go through, uh, you know, movie posters, video games, um, and, and I'll, I'll I'll find things, uh, and, and I'm really interested in, in the composition and the colors and things like that of the cover because it's important as an indie author. Um, you know, that's your that's your big marketing tool is the cover, um, and and so I'm really interested in, and I focus a lot on that, um, and so I, I have a, a lot of thoughts on it, um, much to his chagrin sometimes. 
but I uh, I send him some stuff, a lot of uh, references over Slack, um, and then he'll do a sketch, send it back to me. We'll talk about that. Um, he'll uh, put that sketch into the computer, um, do the line work, and then and then the colors. And, and by that time, um, now we don't have that that much feedback at the end, uh, which is good. So it, we've worked some stuff out. Um, you know, like I said, a, a lot of references, the more the better, and uh, a lot of communication over the phone. I'd imagine being in different states is uh, <laughs> a little bit helpful Yeah, <laughs> when you're working on an artistic endeavor like that. Because I know uh, our artists of all kinds tend to be a little bit passionate. I know I've butted heads with uh, with illustrators in the past uh, and, and they butted heads with me because, you know, everybody's got got their feelings. It's our art. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, I mean, it's it's tough. it's tricky because it's your brother and you can't burn that bridge, you know. Um, so fortunately, uh, again, at the beginning, it, it was a little dicey sometimes, but we uh, we figured out a good way to make it work. Um, and, you know, it's just, again, respecting uh, each other's opinions and, and respecting uh, you know each other's work. Um, and it's a real collaboration. So I'm, I'm real happy with the way that it's worked out for sure. And it probably bears uh, emphasizing for those listening who were thinking, well, I've got a brother who's, who's <laughs> always enjoyed art. Your, your brother is a professional artist, has, yeah. has been doing this for a long time. Other people pay him money for this. Oh, yeah, he's very good. Uh, <laughs> so if he wasn't very good, uh, I, we wouldn't be doing this. Um, but he's very good, which is, again, I'm very fortunate. So. So those things I, I emphasize when I when I do events and people come up and they ask me like, well, I'm really nervous about doing the cover myself. And I said, well, has, has anybody ever paid you to design a cover <laughs> before? Well, if that hasn't happened, maybe don't start with yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and honestly, that was if he wasn't as good as he is, I wouldn't I wouldn't have gone the indie route. You know, I would have would have gone the traditional route. But um, you know, I, I just I knew that I'd have a much better shot of being successful. Um, with him on board because, you know, he can do a good job at it. Listen, a concern, and I know obviously um, not that the book is traditionally published and the illustrations have been maintained. It's worked out. Um, I had an illustrator partner uh, early on. We, we went back and forth, uh, you know, best friend since the, the third grade. Uh, and we were forever being told, no, the traditional route that we you couldn't have an already pre-established author-illustrator collaboration. Was that an issue for you or was it just, hey, we're already doing this ourselves? Why get a publisher involved at, at this point? What was it that, that made you decide Indie was going to be the preferable route? Um, well, like I said, I was selling on Amazon at that point, um, and I, I knew the the platform. Um, you know, I, I'd found some some indie books, some indie middle grade books that were doing well, and kind of studied them and, and, and kind of had an idea about what to do at that point. Um, and, and honestly, I was just like, hey, we'll, we'll try it. You know, um, I knew that we could do the cover. Um, I was I was confident. Um, you know, pretty confident in my writing and editing ability and things like that. Um, and, and knew what works on Amazon on um, the platform. So I thought we'd try it um, and go from there. So let's talk a little bit about that. What did selling things other than books on Amazon uh, teach you about and, 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 and give you the skills to prepare you for now selling books on Amazon? Yeah. Um, well, one of the things is that, so, so what we do is we'll find things, um, you know, and, and basically buy them from manufacturer, buy them wholesale, um, and resell them on Amazon. And, and people always ask me what I sell, and I'll say anything that sells. Um, and, and generally, I'm looking for something that has a high enough rank um, and a price point where I can make money. 
And at that point, I don't care that much what it is, you know, if it'll sell, it'll sell. Um, so kind of taking that same approach with books. Um, I have a, a plugin um, on, on Google Chrome that, that tells me uh, the rank of books. Um, and up to pretty recently, it told me the, the um, history rank of the book. Um, so you can can just browse through Amazon and see at a, at a glance what is selling well. You know, you, you might hear about books all the time and you look on Amazon um, and, and maybe that book is selling really well, you know, in, in bookstores or it's, uh, you know, doing well, well in schools and things like that. Um, but it's not selling well on Amazon uh, or at least well enough to make a living. And so, um, you know, that's not something that's worth emulating. But if, if it has a good enough rank and we look at the rank history for a long time, you can say, hey, this can work, you know, and there and there are some things that I saw on, that were working over the long term on Amazon um, and, and selling those things also that weren't in books. You know, it, it teaches you to kind of look at things from a little bit of different angle, um, look at things that people wouldn't expect or wouldn't think about. Um, and, and there's, you know, teaches that there's markets for everything. So, um, for instance, uh, for a while, when we first started, we would buy things um, just like from Walmart and Walmart clearance or, or Best Buy. One of our best sellers was we would buy these um, portable CD players from Best Buy. Um, and and he, we had uh, like a 5% back on grocery. Um, so we would buy the Best Buy gift card from grocery, get free gas through that, um, and then do it. But people would buy them like crazy. And there it's a, it's a portable CD player. Like who uses a portable CD player? Um, but enough people use it that that they buy it and they do it. And, and, and we found a, a couple different categories and things like that. Um, so just kind of looking at things, thinking through it, like somebody's on Amazon looking for something. Um, and, and so, you know, you see what they're buying and you can kind of connect the dots of what they're looking for. Um, so it, it kind of taught me that in, in a good way to look through Amazon specifically for, um, you know, because if you're in India, especially if you're an indie uh, middle grade author, you're, you're selling a lot of paperback books. And so because you're selling a lot of paperback, you're selling, you know, almost exclusively on Amazon. Um, now, maybe it has like a local connection or something like that. And you're selling in local bookstores. But um, for me, I was interested in, in selling on Amazon and, and seeing what works on Amazon. And so those rankings and, um, you know, help you connect the dots and, and figure things out a little bit. Jen, you mentioned a plugin on Chrome. What's, uh, what's the name of that plugin for anybody listening that wants to get it? Yeah, so um, the one, because uh, I just looked because I thought you might ask. So it's called DS Amazon Quick View. Um, and all it is is it, when you when you type in a search on Amazon um, and you're scrolling through the results, um, those results aren't sorted by. And so, you know, if you sell on Amazon, you know, everything has a bestseller rank um, and it's not just books. It's, you know, it's in electronics, it's in home and everything like that. Um, so that DS Amazon Quick View will tell you uh, as you're scrolling through the results, not on just the product page, but on that results search results page, um, it'll tell you what that bestseller rank is. Um, and you know, it's not sorted. There's no sort by bestseller rank. And so a lot of times when you're scrolling through things and you, you might even see a bunch of reviews, but that doesn't necessarily correlate to the bestseller rank. Um, so by, you know, a plugin like that, uh, you can go through and you can see what the rank is on things uh, pretty quickly and pretty easily. Um, so I use that. Uh, there was a, uh, a tool called Keepa, K-E-E-P-A, and that would give you the rank over time for stuff, which is excellent. Um, and unfortunately, uh, that became a paid product, um, and I haven't started paying for it yet. Uh, but if you're really interested in that, maybe maybe you could look at it for a month, and it can give you a good idea of things. And are you still uh, selling on Amazon other things that aren't books? Yeah, I do. Um, I uh, I do that. So I, I do both uh, 
and so, um, you know, so, certain times of the year, I'll focus on one or the other. Um, generally, the the uh, selling on Amazon part is pretty automated. Um, and, and I have uh, some people who help me out with the, the, the manual labor, the packing part of that stuff. Um, and so it doesn't take up too much of my time right now, but um, I still do that. Yeah. And then are you headed to uh, the post office uh, a few times a week? Or no. Well, here, yeah, here's a, here's a plug for, for selling on Amazon for any authors who want to get involved. I do um, Amazon FBA is called Fulfilled by Amazon. Um, and so it's uh, so Amazon. All I do is I get the product um, and then I'll, I'll label it. Uh, sometimes it's a multi-pack or things like that. So I'll package it together um, and then I put it in everything that I get in big boxes. Um, and then UPS picks it up from me, um, gives it to Amazon's warehouse. Um, Amazon's warehouse then ships it out to customers, deals with uh, customer service and things like that. Um, so I don't have to do things on a daily basis. Um, I can just send it. Usually I send in a couple shipments a month uh, and then they take care of the rest. And then I'll, from the back end, I'll adjust pricing and things like that. Um, but it's uh, it's pretty simple once you get started. There's a, there's a big learning curve at the beginning, but um, it works out really well for me right now. So how long did it uh, take you to get up and running then? Um, well, uh, it only took a couple months for me because I was really into it. Um, so I, I found those CD players uh, really early on and some things really early on. And like once you make a couple bucks, it really uh, started the wheels turning. And so I, I started doing every second I got. Um, my wife was in on it, especially at the beginning, too. So um, together we were working on it a lot. Um, and, it, and it just took a couple months for that to get up and running. But uh, generally, it takes a little bit longer than that. Uh, and also, I made some unwise decisions uh, with buying too many products at the beginning um, and, and threw a lot of money around <laughs> that I probably shouldn't have. Uh, but it all worked out. So you just end up with like a garage or a basement full of garbage that nobody wants? <laughs> well, Amazon's warehouse did, um, but it all eventually sold. Gotcha. Cool. I won't. Uh, I won't ask you a bunch of Amazon questions, but I, sure. I love that uh, you start off as a seller for Amazon and come to indie uh, authorship uh, with just a unique perspective, ready to play that uh, that a lot of other authors do not have going in. Yeah, it uh, it helped me out. It, it gave me a, a leg up, at least in terms of um, yeah, perspective of looking at things for sure. Gotcha. What's um, let's pivot a bit and let's talk about uh, another series that you've got, which is uh, Lila and Nugget. Um, so tell us, just give, give us a quick overview of the series. What, what, what's, what's the deal with Layla and Nugget? Sure. Um, well, Layla and Nugget, uh, Solve Mysteries. Uh, it's, um, you know, kind of, uh, it's, it's for a little bit younger age group. Um, so I have a daughter uh, named Layla and we have a dog named Nugget. Um, Layla in real life is two years old and nobody wants to read about a two-year-old solving mysteries. So in the book, she's in third grade, um, but they are uh, a very enthusiastic duo. Um, and uh, there's just, you know, it's a little mysteries. Um, I kind of, when I was doing research for it, um, I, I, it's based a lot on the formula um, that, that a lot of those uh, books use, but um, there's called uh, Nancy Drew and the Clue Crew is like a junior Nancy Drew book. Um, and so uh, it follows that same kind of formula where there's uh, uh, you know, a, a mystery. Um, it's around 10,000 words. And then there's, you know, a couple false leads. Um, but sprinkled throughout those, there's there's little clues that, that get you to the real thing. Um, so I, I've done three of those books. Um, and I've really enjoyed doing them uh, for sure. And, and I'm excited to have my uh, daughter read them when she's old enough. And does Nugget, uh, has, does he aware of his superstardom? Has it gone to his head? 
<laughs> the only thing he's aware of is uh, if he's gone on a walk yet today. And if not, why not? Um, so <laughs> no, unfortunately, he could not. Uh, he is not. But um, yeah, I, I'm sure Layla will, will feel uh, very, uh, she, she'll be very into it when she gets old enough, for sure. We hope. <laughs> uh, well, she'll she'll enjoy being a star at the very least. Whether she likes the books or not, she'll like being a star. And I know those are uh, targeted toward, uh, I believe you've got a list of first and through third grade uh, yeah. versus trapped in a video game, which is what, third through fifth grade? Mm -hmm. um, so what are the biggest difference between those age groups? What are the biggest differences you're making in your writing to accommodate them? Well, okay, good question. So um, the Layla Nugget book, I do make a conscious effort as far as language goes, um, where there's no no tricky words. You know, we're, we're in, trapped in a video game. Um, yeah, they're at an old enough age where they can kind of figure it out or, or press on or, you know. Um, but Layla Nugget, I really try to make it to where a, a younger kid can read it. Um, and so I, I do, I am pretty careful about language with those to, to make every word um, a, a word that they can sound out or, or figure out. Um, and so I'm pretty, pretty, a very uh, much more conscious of language with those. Um, you know, it's, it, they're a lot shorter. I still keep the chapters around maybe 700 to a thousand words, um, but it's 10,000 words total. The, the words are much bigger on the page and the paragraphs are easier to read. So those are the main things. Um, and then the trapped in the video games, the, the plot gets pretty complex at points. Um, and, and uh, you know, I figure, you know, those kids are watching you know, Marvel movies are watching a lot of stuff that, you know, we don't, that they kind of take for granted that these kids are, are used to following wrong with more complex plots. But I do try to keep it pretty simple for the Layla Nugget series. Yeah, no, anybody that walked into uh, what Avengers Endgame, they didn't see the rest <laughs> of the Marvel movies. Best of luck to you. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how you're going to follow that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But I mean, you know, you got kids watching those and they're following along. The, they're probably explaining it to people walking out of the theater. So, Yeah, no, I uh, I was one of them. I was like, wait a minute. I've, it's been a while. Re refresh my memory. What's the deal with that? Yeah, <laughs> I saw Ant Man. I didn't memorize it. No, well, again. yeah, no. You needed to go back and didn't you know you need to go back and watch Thor: The Dark World before you, you walked in the theater. So yeah, I was shocked. I was like, oh, I think I I have a hazy recollection of having yeah. watched that one. No, well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think many people did. Well, with um, uh, but let's uh, let's go back a little bit and talk a little more about Trapped in a Video Game. Um. Uh, not the, the book itself, but the experience of publishing. You said it was up for about a month, month and a half, just sitting there, not doing anything. And then the Amazon algorithms caught up to it and then you started to sell. What what do you think it is that changed? Well, you know, so it wasn't doing nothing. Um, It was selling, uh, you know, maybe one a day or one every other day. And then it would kind of climb up to two a day and, and things like that. Um, So I do think it, it kind of started showing up and customers also bought um, and, and that's where I started getting things. And then also the, the keywords that I was um, bidding on on Amazon ads. Um, so, you know, nobody really knows how Amazon ads work. But my theory is, is kind of Amazon, when you start a campaign, um, is, is going to, to shoot out those keywords and spend through money like crazy. Um, and then they, they see how it performs because they don't want to show a bunch of, you know, they have limited space um, in front of customers. So they're not going to show a book even if people are willing to spend a lot, um, if that book isn't selling well. 
Uh, so com compared to how many views per how many people click on it uh, versus how many people buy it. Um, so I think that, you know, going forward, at least I know that Trapped in a Video Game performs unbelievable on, on uh, Amazon ads. Um, and so I think that that uh, it really kind of caught on, on that algorithm, too, um, where, you know, it, it was a higher than normal number of people that saw the ad were clicking on it and then we're going ahead and buying it. So they were showing that more. Um, once people bought uh, for a keyword, um, so say, so say there was a keyword um, books for boys or something like that. Um, you know, once people start buying the book for that, even if they're buying it through a link that they clicked on it, that's an ad that still counts in Amazon's algorithm. And so it'll start to uh, the book in my experience starts to appear higher and higher in organic search as well. Um, so, uh, you know, what I believe happened again, nobody knows for sure, but I, I've been studying this for one of my Amazon business. And then again, for the books, um, that, you know, as, as it happened, um, it started climbing in those Amazon ads it started getting better placement in Amazon ads and also started getting better placement in the organic search results, um, for, for keywords that, uh, you know, were connecting with my audience. Um, and then it also uh, started getting put into customers also bought for similar books. Um, and then and now, listen, that is not easy to do. And I haven't duplicated it for Layla Nugget for other books I've worked on. Um, but it is pretty magical once it starts working because uh, Amazon just starts selling it on its own. So, yeah, no, talk, uh, talk nerdy to me some more. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is what uh, esteemed audience tunes in for. They're, they're yeah. looking for this. Um, so. When you're going in to pick your keywords, are you individually going through and, and picking your keywords? Are you just letting Amazon choose them for you and do its thing? Yeah, um, so I do both. I, I don't when I when I first started, um I, I tried or I looked at the Amazon suggested keywords because you can pick automatic keywords. Um, which if you are just an indie author, you can't see what keywords they're picking which I don't find super helpful. Um, but they, you can also, when you're picking manual keywords, you can let Amazon pick them and just see what it picks. Um, and so when I, the first time I did that, I looked at their keywords. I'm like, we're not doing this because it's picking keywords like book books or like the word for F-O-R and like, I don't know, stuff like that. And, and so I didn't, but um, since then I, I've run a campaign with those um, and they perform a lot better than you would think. So I don't know why. Um, but but at the beginning, especially, I picked keywords um, that I thought. So uh, what I did, again, this is very nerdy, um, but uh, if you say this audi esteemed audience is up for it. Um, so what we're living for, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so I would start to type in. I would get an idea for a keyword um, and start to type it in. So let's say, you know, books um, for uh, and so to start typing in books for kids. And so when you're typing in books for kids, it'll autofill books for kids, um, you know, uh, nine to 12 books for kids. And so then just using all those autofill suggestions, because those are things that people search for. And now all those autofill suggestions are also mine. And, and sometimes I might dig two or three deep on those where, um, I'll, I'll take one of those and sometimes I'll just type books for, and then see what it suggests and then start type A, B, C, you know, and go through. So, um, things like that I did. Um, and, and, and then again, putting all those up and just seeing which one of those delivers results, which one of them don't, um, going through, uh, books, the customers also bought books and then going through their customers also bought, um, I get, got a lot of keywords through that way. 
Um, and, and again, using authors and titles and anything I can think of. Um, and then uh, again, just throwing anything out there, video game related terms, uh, you know, toy related terms, things like that. Um, and then finally, I did uh, maybe a year into it, get KDP Rocket, um, which is a tool that uh, if you put in maybe an author name or a book name, it'll spit back a bunch of results. Um, and so I, I've used that um, and that does help. And, uh, you know, so, so I've taken all those different things, put them in. And again, the nice things with Amazon ads, you could throw everything at it. And Amazon's pretty good at figuring out what's going to work um, because they really want to spend your money. Uh, so they'll, they'll figure out what they, they spend through uh, stuff really quick, figure out what's going to work. Um, and then, uh, and then they go from there. So, you know, you can, you can throw a bunch at the wall and see what sticks and then, and then stuff that sticks, take that and, and kind of build off of that and think through different ideas, um, from stuff that sticks. So do you, um, do you set like a daily budget, monthly budget? What, what do you recommend and where do you set your bids? Right. So, um, I, it, again, it's whatever you're most comfortable with. Um, for me, <laughs> it's probably, I, I just, for me, um, I want it to, I want to see if, if it's doing well. And, and for me, if it's break even, if I calculate it out to, to something that's break even, which is usually like 30%, um, uh, whatever the metric they give you is, but if it's around 30%, that's about break even because I know different future books in the series, people will go on and buy and things like that. Um, so if it's break even, like spend my money. I put the daily budget for a lot of my campaigns is a thousand dollars because I want them to spend as much as possible and they never spend a thousand dollars or they haven't yet. Um, but if they did, I'm, I'm fine with that because I know for every dollar I spend, I'm going to make a dollar fifty or whatever. Um, so I, I set it real high and uh, I usually, the, the bids, um, I'll start them out 25, 30 cents. Um, and then sometimes, uh, you know, if it's spending through a lot, um, but it's not giving a lot of sales, I'll experiment with putting it down. You know, I'll have bids that are as low as five cents or 10 cents for a really popular keyword um, that's not quite related to my book, but does deliver some sales. Um, and then occasionally, uh, depending on um, the type of ad and things like that, I'll, I'll even go up a little bit. Um, uh, and again, I, I'll just, you know, I'll look at it and I'm not as diligent as I should be about going back every day or uh, all the time and, and seeing how things play out. I just want to get things that are, are roughly good enough without me having to put uh, a lot of hours into them every day and just letting them run it and go from there. So how much time uh, are you spending typically on, on a day just on Amazon ads? Um, uh, now, like hardly any time. I mean, I'll check in once a week, um, for, for a little bit. Uh, and I know a lot of people put uh, a lot more time in and I would probably get better results if I did put more time in. Um, it's just, you know, I'll, I'll spend, I'll check in every morning, um, for, for, you know, 15 minutes or 30 minutes or so when I'm, when I'm starting them, um, to see how things are performing, adjusting, uh, bids and, and maybe adding and subtracting keywords and things like that. Um, but for my goal is I, I want to get it up and running um, and then go from there. Uh, Amazon ads also for me right now, um, I've kind of found are good at predicting how well a book is going to do. Um, so Trapped in a Video Game just organically performs really well. Um, it just really connects with an audience. And so the Amazon ads perform really well. And I don't have to work too hard to get um, my costs down for those. Um, but, you know, Layla Nugget, it, it connects okay. Like the books perform okay. And so those ads, they just perform okay. You know, I have to work a little bit harder to get them to, to make money and things like that. And then I've had other books um, that's just, you know, I, I've 
tried and, and it's, you know, it's not working. And so I'm just like, I'll forget it. And, and it, you know, I don't have to put much more effort and time into the series. It was fun to write the series and it was good, but it's just not connecting on Amazon right now. Um, and so, you know, it, it gives me a piece to like walk away and not bash my head against the wall. Um, I guess maybe that's an advertisement for writing more books. So you get more to work with um, and, and you're not putting all your hopes on one book or one series. Uh, but, but for me, you know, that, that's kind of the deal there. So if something's not performing that well, you know, I'll just turn the ads off or turn the, the daily bids real low. Um, and, and if something is performing really well, I'll put, you know, a lot more time into the series um, and, uh, you know, more uh, time into creating more ads and things like that. Well, that makes sense. And then um, are you, with a series, are you advertising or running different separate campaigns for every book in the series? Are you focusing your, focusing your efforts on book one and counting on book one uh, to get people hooked enough to keep going? Yeah, so um, I do, if I'm just advertising one book, I will just advertise book one. I've tried advertising book two in the series to disastrous results. Um, even uh, the Layla Nugget uh book two, you know, it's not a continuing story. Um, I've tried book two and it just doesn't work as well because people see two and they assume they need book one. Um, there is a different type of ad and it's available to publishers. Um, and so my publisher started running it and I, and I was trying to figure out if there's a way I could run it um, for my indie books. Um, and there is, there's like a little bit of a backdoor way to get in um, to it. And, and you can find that online and I kind of forget exactly how I did it, but um, you can run series ads. So there's Amazon has these banners up top um, where you can, I forget, it's, I forget the exact name for it, um, but there's a, there's a series of books. If you have a series of books, you can advertise all three of them. Um, so I do run those for Layla and Nugget um, and they perform okay. During, during like Christmas, they perform really, really well. Um, but during the, the year, I, I really dial back the spend on that because it just performs okay. But that is something else that I've done. Um, and for a series, is a good good way to go. That makes sense. And then um, I know that obviously you're, you're an Amazon ninja. Uh, so that's your, your primary focus. Have you experimented going wider with uh, other distribution uh, models as well? Or is you pretty much Amazon exclusive most of the time? Yeah, Amazon exclusive. Um, you know, my, my traditionally published books, they are obviously available on other platforms um, and they just don't do as well. So, um, you know, I, I get, I'm sure people have had success on other platforms, but for me, um, it's easy just to keep in, on Amazon and things that I know and, and focus on that. That makes sense. And then um, uh, broaden this out a little bit because I know we we did a deep we did a deep nerdy dive, but I love <laughs> it. Right. I we know lost that there are there. Uh, members of esteemed audience going, yes, thank you. This is what I've been <laughs> waiting for. I love it. Um, but other than uh, AMS ads, what other uh, forms of marketing have you done, and what have you had success with? Um, like nothing. Uh, so <laughs> it's a short answer. Um, I haven't taken the time to learn Facebook ads um, and uh, or anything like that. Um, and, and honestly, the you know the Amazon is such a workhorse at delivering sales that um, you know for for me it makes sense to to spend time learning that and to to focus on that rather than focus on things that. Um, you know, might, might produce a, a little bit of sales. So um, I worked with my publisher on teacher's guides and things like that. And honestly, I'm, I'm newer to that world. Um, and it seems like those, you know, it, the, you know, might take time to, to, to kind of connect with that. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're pushing um, that with, with different librarians and teachers and things like that. So we have those 
teacher's guides. Um, and, and I've tried doing some stuff along those lines. Um, locally, I've reached out to a lot of schools and librarians and things like that. So, I, I, you know, I do like talking to kids. I do like that kind of thing. So so that's more um, selfish, I guess, for me to, to kind of get to do more school visits and things like that because I enjoy it. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as, as sales and marketing goes, um, you know, I'm, I've kind of been sticking with what, uh, with what I know works well and, and can deliver a lot of sales. And I know you've got, uh, what, over 300 uh, reviews on, on Trapped in a Video Game and, and lots of reviews over your other books as well. Are those just a result of your sales or have you actively solicited those reviews? What's, what have you done to get so many great reviews? Yeah, um, so that is other than other than the obvious of writer quality books, <laughs> <laughs> Rob, that doesn't matter. Um, it's uh, I, I've just um, yeah. So I, I think it's important to get a couple reviews, and I don't think you need a lot of reviews. And and I kind of again going back to selling on Amazon, you see a lot of items that you know don't have many reviews at all. Have like two reviews. Um, and, and like one of them is three stars and they still sell pretty well. Um, so people give things a chance, especially at a low price point like this. You know, if you're selling a paperback kids book, maybe you're pricing up to 10 bucks. I mean, mine are eight bucks. Um, and so people are willing to take a chance on it. If it seems like, you know, again, the, the cover's appealing. If it's something that they think their kid would like, you know, they're willing to, to spend eight bucks on that. Um, so I, I don't think having a million reviews is that important, but I do think it is important to at least have a couple reviews. Um, so I don't know what the Amazon terms of service say about this, um, but for the first trapped in a video game book, um, I just on Facebook one day, and I, I don't have an author page or anything like that, but just like to, to friends and family, hey, uh, if you want to review this book, let me know. If you have kids and, and they want to read it, um, let me know and I'll send you a PDF. So it got, you know, 30 people and uh, sent them all PDFs and maybe uh, 15 of them wrote a review. Um, and that was fine. Uh, so, um, that was, you know, it was really informal. Um, and then, and then going forward, uh, yeah, going forward, um, I have done the same type of thing with my email list. I have a very small email list, but, um, for a, a book recently, I was just like, Hey, uh, if anybody wants to review this, let me know, I'll give you a PDF, give them a PDF and then, um, sent them a link. That, so it's not a, it's not an, a verified review on Amazon. Um, but in my experience, most people don't care about that too much. Um, you know, as long as it's an honest review and, and things like that, I think um, that that is uh, fine. So um, that's kind of how I went about it. And then again, the, the, as sales uh, pick up, people review it. And, and in my experience, having a little blurb in the back of the book um, does nothing. Like people review it if they really like it or if they really hate it. And uh, for especially for a kid's book where it's a it's more of a gift instead of something that um, you know, the, is more of a gift for the, for the kid. It's a very different product than an adult book. Um, and, and so a lot of people just don't feel that, uh, that call to review it, um, you know, which is fine, which means that you got to sell a lot of books if you want to get a lot of reviews, um, in my experience. And, and again, there's, there's different ways I know people have done, um, in my opinion, um, it's not that important to get many reviews above 10, you know, um, but that's just my opinion and from, from looking at it. All your opinions, uh, what we're going by here tonight. That's what, we're <laughs> <on about. laughs> what, um, oh man, so many, uh, so many more questions uh, on, on the back of that one. Um, namely, I'm assuming it's probably a little bit easier to get reviews from your Facebook friends and family, uh, when you're writing a, a shorter book, 25,000 uh, yeah. words or less. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a great point. Yeah, if I was writing a hundred thousand, listen, I wouldn't want to review it. Um, and so, yeah, it's uh, it, I think it's a little bit of an easier ask um, to do that. And you just gotta, you also gotta know that most people aren't going to do that anyways. And so, um, you know, I try try not to be obnoxious with it, and I just basically did it for the first book in the series um, just to get things rolling. But uh, I think that's um, I again, I I don't, I'm not going to speak for Amazon's terms and services. Uh, but I think that, um, you know, it, it's well within the, the spirit of, of the roles and it's, I think it's fine to get a couple of reviews like that. So. Mr. Bezos, if you're listening, we, we both <laughs> wish to be hundred percent fully compliant. Uh, thank you so much for your wonderful question. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, there we go. Good save. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about your, uh, your newsletter because You've got a fun title for it. I was looking at it. What, what, what do you call your newsletter? The Inside something? Uh, what is it? Insider Club? Is that what yes, it's Yes, the Insider Club. Yeah. Uh, and you're offering goodies and and and, uh, and early chapters and uh-huh. uh, extra material. So with your newsletter, um, how often are you sending out your newsletter and what kind of goodies are you offering? Um, all right. Maybe we can just skip this question because it is not very often. It is almost nothing. <laughs> So um, again, I think this is a this is an illustration of just how the adult market is a lot different from the children's market because um, you know in my experience these are the kids picking up the paper book and even if they really 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 like it like they're just not going to sign up for an email uh, and you know um, for whatever reason and so the email is like embarrassingly small uh, mostly it's mostly people that uh, would sign up for uh it would sign up when i had book three out and they were trying to figure out when book four was going to come out so they would sign up for that and and since the the last book was available for pre-order um in the summer uh signups just went like downhill from almost nothing to to very practically nothing um and so since uh you know i could see that people weren't signing up to get the goodies um i don't give a lot of goodies i just don't uh spend a lot of time with that because it doesn't seem like that's what they're looking for um and uh and so anyway so so basically i, I wrote that at the beginning thinking that it was something that they want i think that's a good lesson just to, to be able to look at something and, and to look at object objectively uh same thing with the amazon ad same thing with everything look at objectively is this working is this what people want no well what do people want and then let's give them that Makes sense. And then uh, a couple more nerdy questions and we'll, we'll go out to some broader stuff. Uh, but you mentioned uh, that the traditional call to action page there at the end. Yeah. Oh, reader, didn't you have a wonderful time reading this book? Please review it. Please tell your friends. Please send a tweet. It's kind of wasted because the younger readers uh, probably don't have Twitter, uh, probably don't have that option. And they don't care what you said there about going to review. Like, yeah, I enjoyed your book. I read it. I don't need homework. Set that down. Um, so what, what sort of back matter and front matter, um, do you make allowance for? What would you recommend including, if anything? Yeah. Um, so again, I don't, I think that it's, it's very, uh, I think, I think making it very clear what the rest of the books in the series are. Um, so with, with my publisher, um, we, we, we've just set up a page for the next reprint, um, that, that spells out, even though the rest of the books, there's, there's a little picture of each book in the back of the page, in the back of the book, um, along with some of the other publishers, other titles. And, and there's a page at the front of my book that just says the titles. Um, there's a, there's a specific page that we set up, 
um, in the back of the book that says, hey, continue the adventure. It's got all four um, stories and it's got a little summary for each story um, to get them a little bit more interested. I think that's probably the most important thing because, you know, I've had people, um, you know, uh, write, write reviews, write to me like, Hey, my kid really loved trapped in a video game book one. Uh, we really hope you write more. <laughs> like, well, I wrote a lot more and it's very clear. Um, so <laughs> making things, uh, because a lot of, you know, it's a, it's a, a grandma buying, buying a book for the kid. And so it's not the kid, my a grandma, they might see twice a year or something like that, you know? Um, and so you, you got to really spell things out here are the books. Here's what it's about. Um, it's very exciting. Uh, and go, go get it. And, 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 um, Amazon, if you're with a publisher, they make it much easier to do that on the page. You can have an A plus, um, detail page, which, uh, I can have now for trapped in a video game. And it talks about the rest of the books in the series and things like that. And, um, just anything that, that spells things out like that, um, really seems to, to, we saw, you see an uptick every time you're able to do something like that, just to spell out, Hey, here's the rest of the books in the series. Just so you know, here's what it's about. They're really cool. So. I love the idea of uh, somebody who uh, has your book right there uh, that they can't be bothered to check the front of the back. No, they go to no. your website to find yeah. your email. Uh, they've Absolutely. already got Amazon. Can't be bothered yeah. to check that. Can't can't do a, a, a search for Dustin Brady. Go to your website, ignore all the other <laughs> books listed, and straight to asking you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's very frustrating, but it happens sometimes. <laughs> Readers are, are magical and mysterious. <laughs> so what? Uh, well, let's talk about your experience now with a traditional publisher. What advantages has that opened up for you that weren't available to you as an indie? And what's been your experience so far? Yeah, um, so it's been uh, really interesting. Um, where today's still – so my book um, – is uh, is really geared towards appealing to people um, as an indie book. Um, the, everything from the title that spells out the premise to the to the uh, to the um, uh, cover, which is just a real. Uh, which is very simple for the first book. It just shows the main character um, and, and the description and things like that is really geared towards. Uh, honestly selling well on Amazon specifically um, and appealing to people through there. Um, and so traditionally it's just, it's kind of taken that and uh, you know, as a traditional being traditionally published, I, I, I was surprised by how much more it bumped things up on Amazon specifically. So um, my rank uh, was, was very steady and was very good as an indie author um, where it was a, a bestseller rank of, you know, maybe like a thousand to 1500, um, and books to where now is, you know, under 500, 400, 300, um, sometimes just from that switch to traditional publisher. Um, so just, uh, you know, being nerdy a little bit on Amazon again, it opens up, um, you can, you can apply for some additional categories, which allows it to be a bestseller in, in more than one category. Um, it opens up, uh, you know, that A plus page and, um, you know, people do for, you know, it, people do sometimes, uh, discount things. Um, seeing that it's an independently uh, published thing and, and you can only, you know, you can only go so far with that. And so um, it has opened things up on Amazon a lot. Um, so it's really, it's really helped that. And then um, it's just, again, more, uh, and honestly, it hasn't um, taken that same success and, and gone to bookstores because that's a totally different, um, you know, mechanism. And, and there's this whole machine of reviews and, and uh, you know, the library school journal and, and things like that. Where's this whole other world that, you know, the way that they published it, it was just very quick, boom, 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 put it out there. And so it didn't get to, 
didn't get its day in the sun with that world. Um, and so, uh, you know, it, it, it is available in bookstores and it, and it sells some copies there. Um, it is available in libraries now, which I really like, which is really cool. And, and, uh, and schools, um, I've gotten a lot more feedback from teachers and schools, um, which is really rewarding that way. So um, it has helped improve sales, um, but strangely enough, mostly on Amazon in my experience. And again, I think that's mostly because the book was designed specifically um, to appeal to audiences directly on Amazon. So just kind of amplified that. Um, but they've been really great in, in helping out uh, different avenues that, that I wouldn't have been able to or that I wouldn't have done myself. So um, the audio book with a really great narrator, um, it's a, uh, you know, helping with foreign rights and things like that. Um, and again, it's, it gives you, it, I found that it's easier to, to talk to schools and to, to get into places um, with that traditional publishing um, background. So, you know, again, I, I still publish indie books. I still love it. Um, and, and it's a, just a little bit of a different thing. And, and I plan on doing some traditional books and, and going forward, I plan on, um, you know, structuring even the way that I write and think about those books differently to appeal more to a traditional market. What, uh, in what way would you um, approach a book differently for the traditional market? Yeah. So, um, so going back, so, for um like i said the with trapped in a video game it's a very uh you know it tells you what the book is about right in the title and and with a traditional market because that's the only way that you're going to get to people you know people are scrolling through a thing they see oh trapped in a video game okay cool um with a traditional market you get people selling your book for you ideally right um you know you get librarians you have booksellers and things like that and so those people, um, you know, you don't need to, to like, wait, 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 it's about a kid trapped in a video game. You know, you can you can be a little bit more uh, you know, artful with it. Um, and, and same thing with the book. You know, my book is, um, you know, there's not a lot of deep themes in there. Uh, and it's a very it's a fun adventure book. You know, there's some there's some good lessons, some good themes. But honestly, like it's it doesn't have that stuff that those people that are reviewing the books are looking for. Um, and I'm fine with that because I know that I can write those kind of things. It's just not what I, what I wanted when I was 10 year old. So I, that's not what I put in trapped in a video game. Um, and so, you know, making it a, a little bit more complex book, it'd probably be longer than 20,000 words um, and, and adding, you know, some and weaving themes through it and, and a lot more character development and things like that to, to get people on board that are librarians and that are reviewers and things like that to kind of work in that machine. Um, you know, I'm proud of Trapped in a Video Game. Like, I, I love it, and, and, and it's something that teach that teachers and parents, um, like, every every feedback that I've gotten from them, they love, you know? And, and, and a lot of times it's, like, surprise love. Like, I, I, I hate video games, and I thought I would hate this book, um, but it was a really fun book, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and, and that was the, the, the goal of that book was, you know, it's called Trapped in a Video Game, and the goal was if, if you think this book is going to appeal to you, I want it to be the very best version of that. Um, of that book to appeal to you. Um, but in a traditional market, you're, you're pitching to different people and, and you can still be really, really fun and really, really enjoyable for um, kids, but you have to work extra hard to make it enjoyable for um, somebody who's a little bit more snotty uh, and <laughs> reviews books <laughs> and is a gatekeeper. And, um, you know, I'm fine with that. And I, I, I'm excited to do um, things like that going forward. But, uh, you know, for that, that's kind of how I'm approaching um, traditional books versus an indie book, which is I, I have a very specific audience in mind and I'm writing very much towards that audience so their parents will get it and so that audience will enjoy it. That makes sense. I love it. <laughs> 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 
while we're uh, while we're talking nerdy, another thing I wanted to ask you about: you mentioned cover design uh, yeah. specifically, and also description. And I want to talk about both those things. I noticed your description is very brief and to the point. Um, and also, I wanted to make the comment that going back to readers being uh, magical and, and mysterious, I hate video games, so I was surprised I enjoyed this book trapped in a video game. Oh, <laughs> well, those are parents reading it to their kids, you know, like my kid likes video games and I got to read this dumb book to him. Um, so, yeah. It's one of my favorite reviews I ever got on one, on one of mine is this book cost a, a dollar. It was a pizza delivery, which is always 99 cents available now. Um, and they said, I expected this book to suck, but it was actually really good. And then they went on to, to praise the book. Like, why, yeah. why did you waste, why well, did you waste a dollar? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad, I'm glad I turned you around and you had a good time. But <laughs> but let's, let's talk description and let's talk covers because sure. I know your descriptions are very short. Uh, very much letting the the reader who, who's already reluctant or the parent uh, who's reluctant, you give it straight to the point. So what are your tips for writing descriptions that are going to hook those types of readers? And what are the things that you're looking for when you're designing your covers to appeal? Okay. Yeah. So, so I'll hit descriptions first. So descriptions, um, what I'll, I'll write a description um, that I think is going to be good up front and I'll put it up there and then I'll wait and look at reviews. Um, and reviews are really, really helpful because um, people will tell you what they really want in reviews. Um, so I spend a lot of time, you know, looking at my reviews, looking at other people's reviews um, to see what people actually really like and really value um, from their books. And so um, from my books uh, trapped in a video game, um, you know, for me, I think for kids books, the most important thing is that first I just have like a couple sentences up top and it's bolded. Um, and for me, that's the most important part uh, for, uh, you know, if somebody's reading through it and things like that, because the, the summary, again, it's a parent, they're buying it for a kid um, a lot of times and, and they don't care what the book is about. And so I, I do keep it short um, and to the point. Uh, but, but that first sentence is bolded um, and it kind of speaks directly to that parent. Um, and so, you know, I think that it, it might say, um, now, uh, and I used it off of ad copy that worked well. So, you know, one, one thing that I put in there is like, um, you know, get kids to put down the controller and pick up a book or something like that. Uh, because I found in my reviews that that's what parents wanted. Parents wanted their kids to stop playing video games for a few minutes and read a book. Um, so, you know, I made sure to put that in, in the description up front. So I think paying attention to reviews is a good way to find keywords, to find things that people are actually looking for. Um, and then, uh, put it in there and go back and change things and, and update things. And then, uh, again, people in my experience, parents, it, they'll read that, that first sentence. Okay. This seems kind of like what I want. Um, they'll, they'll go down, they'll look at reviews. Um, and then they'll look at the look inside the book sometimes and things like that. But, um, for kids books, I don't think the description is that, that important. It's just, we, you want a couple sentences that tell people, um, that this is what it is. If this is what you want, this is what you got. Um, and then for the book cover, um, so when I first started, um, I was, again, I was looking at books that were doing really well. And, and the, the ones that I saw that were doing the best for middle grade um, indie published were uh, by a guy named, uh, that goes by the name Marcus Emerson. And he writes um, Diary of a Sixth Grade Ninja. And um, that book has been selling unbelievably well as an indie book since like 2013. Um, and so he's just crushing it. And, and, and I saw his books and I saw that he did two things that I think were really smart. Um, that he put just like the premise of the book as the title, Diary of a Sixth Grade Ninja, you know what it's about, um, you know, and, and things like that. And, and I think that's really, really smart 
um, for indie authors because you know again you're just putting out there you're you're trying to you're trying to promise something that somebody wants right and so you know I'm trying to get my kid to read that's a that's a target audience um, and, and he you know he he likes ninjas he likes video games he likes this and so that's right in the title and and it's not um, you know you don't have to guess and then the the cover again it's a, most people are seeing it as a thumbnail and so I want especially with the first book in the series to be just like a, an appealing picture and it's, and it's big and it's like a main character. And that's just something that, you know, that's something I saw that Marcus Emerson does. Um, that's something that, that I try to do a lot is, is something that would be appealing to that target audience that on a very, very small thumbnail they would see and that would um, get them to click on it. Uh, so those are the things that I kind of try to do with the covers and with the description. Makes sense to me. And then of course you've got uh, nice bright colors and I noticed your name is is, is pretty small, uh, relatively, uh, certainly to the, the title and the character. And is that just because nobody really cares about the writer until later or? Yeah, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't stress enough how much people don't know you when they're on Amazon and don't care. Like they literally just want a book that their kid will read because he doesn't like books or, uh, you know, a, a book that that identifies with, you know, the main characters, uh, you know, a minority like them or that, that you know, their kid doesn't get to read about um, somebody that's like them or, you know, there's a, there's several different areas where people are just searching for things. You know, there's books about bullying or books about whatever. Um, and, and and people that, that do well indie because people are just typing in stuff on Amazon. They're, they're looking through customers also bought and, and they truly do not know who you are and truly do not care who you are as an indie author. Um, and, you know, which is fine. So yes, that, that is a good point um, that it's very small because nobody cares. <laughs> I love it. Uh, you, you might be one of the most realist authors I've ever talked to. Very direct. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about school visits because I'm very curious uh, about how you you mentioned that you, you you've had better luck uh, organizing school visits now that you've got a traditional publisher behind you uh, versus back when you were Andy, which strikes me as absurd because you know you're the same guy. Um, so what? What uh, what tips do you have for setting up uh, school visits and for getting as, as, as many as you can? And then beyond that, what do you have uh, for tips for having a successful school visit? Sure. So I should preface this by saying that I'm not um, an expert in this area, that I haven't done a ton of school visits. But um, like we talked about at the beginning, I, I have done work, spoken to kids for about 10 years. And um, I, I do feel like I'm pretty good at that. I feel like I'm, I'm really good at that. That's one of the things that I, I really enjoy that um, I, I feel like I'm one of the best at that I really enjoy. So um, <clears throat> so uh, I got my start kind of, I got invited um, to a conference uh, a couple years in a row um, in Texas. Um, and, and I was a bookseller who, uh, who, who um, sells to schools and, and he knew about my books. And um, uh, he probably thought, oh, this kid's available. Um, and so he, uh, he he got me to come down there and, and I started doing school visits like that. So that that just got me my foot in the door in as far as being able to to, to do it, to talk to, to kids and then, um, you know, to, to get some uh, video and pictures of that and things like that. So that helps just being able to, to do a couple, you know, to, to 
to feel about and things like that. Um, and then honestly, just this past year, um, I, I went through, I made a spreadsheet of every district um, in my in my county and in the three counties around me um, and, and, uh, and, and went to their website and, and found out if they have like a librarian that covers the whole district or librarians for each school and then emailed a lot of them. And most of them didn't, you know, just kind of, hey, introducing myself. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm local, I'm available for school visits. I'd love to send you a, a copy to, to look at for your library. Um, you know, I just want to help in any way I can basically. Um, and, and so sent out and, and just like any cold call, don't, don't get a lot of response from a lot of people, but you do get a response from some people, um, is able to set up some school visits that way. And then, um, and then from those school visits, um, I just completed, uh, one, uh, a couple of weeks ago and, um, you know, at the end it was, it, it went over really well. Um, the kids really enjoyed it. And at the end, um, you know, just asking for a referral, basically most people are, don't want to ask for things, but just go up to the library. I'm like, Hey, you know, I don't know a lot of librarians, um, in the area, uh, you know, love, you know, if, uh, if, you know, it was a, it was a hit with your kids that spread my name around a little bit. Um, that would be helpful. And, and honestly, librarians are librarians because they like helping people. Um, and it, and if you're good, librarians can be your best friend, right? Um, and and so she uh, was was really kind and went on um, some listservs for librarians in the state of Ohio, and um, you know wrote up a really nice review of it. And and I've gotten just in the last couple of weeks um, several things through that, you know, set up things through that. So um, to, so that so I think you know again promising something and over delivering on that promise, you know, if you can go on and put on a really great school visit, people are willing to help you out and, and ask for it. So, you know, I've done, I've definitely done, um, you know, uh, several now in, in my fair share and, and I have, I'm setting up more and more for next year, um, which is exciting. And so for the school visit, um, one of the things that, that I do, and, and again, you got to figure out uh, what works for you. If you're an author illustrator, great. You know, illustration is, is something that you're good. Now, I, um, for, for the kids church, uh, one of the things that I done over the years is learn some magic, um, because, you know, uh, it gets kids attention and it gets them to, to watch it a little bit. So I, I've used that, you know, I start out, um, I used to just kind of do it. Um, now I ask first, uh, if I can do it, but I do it. My best trick is I'll, I have this piece of paper, um, crumble it up, light it on fire, throw it to a kid. Uh, and then by the time it reaches that kid's hands, it's a dollar bill. It's a huge hit. Um, and, and that is a great way to start a school visit I found. Uh, and, um, and, and so just finding something like that. And then I tie in my talk to, to magic, um, and things like that and, and doing things, you know, basically, um, you know, if you can do something like playing the piano to me is, is magic if somebody can play the piano, but, um, you know, you can do it by practicing every day. And the same thing for me being an author, it seemed like magic, like writing a, a long book like that seemed like a thing that was really hard and, and was a magical thing. Um, but, you know, by, by being, being able to discipline myself and do it every day, I'm able to do that. So tying it into that magic thing was helpful to me, um, having pictures in the back, answering kids' questions. And, and honestly, if you are at all engaging, like you are a, these kids don't know any authors. And so if an author gets up there, they just assume that they're a celebrity. Um, so like it, it's the, it's your, uh, you know, you, you already start out, um, you know, really far ahead of the pack. So you just kind of have to not screw up uh, as in an author visit. And it'll go really well, I think. I love it. Yeah, no, if you if you weren't amazing, how would they have put your name on a book? Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. 
I'm also enjoying the uh, thought of the conversation with the, the teacher's internal monologue. He's going to throw a ball of fire at my student. Well, sure yeah, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, they still don't tell him I'm going to throw it at the kid. I just tell him like, okay, it's flash paper. It's magician's flash paper. It's very safe. There's going to be a little bit of fire, but, but it's going to be okay. But just, just check it with your principal. <laughs> and, um, um, how, um, how long is a great school visit, uh, while keeping the kids engaged, but feeling like they, they got their, you know, their time and in some cases their, their money is worth. Um, and how do you know if you've been successful at a school visit? Um, well, I mean, you know, if you've talked to kids enough, you just know it when they're in tune and when they're engaged, you know, and, and if, if they're not and they're elementary school kids, they'll, they'll let you know. Um, and so you, you, you'll, you'll probably know if it's not going well. Um, but, uh, you know, generally I think 45 minutes to an hour is really good. Um, you know, if you go and, and in that I try to do different things every, you know, 15, 20 minutes or so. Um, and so there's a section where I'm, where I'm doing that magic section. There's a section where I'm talking about my book specifically. Sometimes I'll read the books and then take questions and answer. Um, I've, I've, I've been asked to do, you know, an hour and a half before. Um, and so in that case, you know, brought, uh, an exercise, um, a writing exercise that has to do with video games. Um, to kind of get them to something else. So kids have, you know, an attention span uh, that's that's shorter than 45 minutes. So you got to keep things moving and, and move on to different things. Um, but if you can keep moving on to different things and keep it engaging, you can, you can keep it going pretty long, but you just got to keep that in mind. Makes sense to me. Fantastic. Um, and I'm assuming that with the school visits, that's um, while I'm, there, there may or may not be an honorarium involved, I know that can be a little bit up and down depending on the school, depending on how much distance you're traveling to get to the school. Um, but I'm assuming that that's not between your Amazon selling uh, and the, the books themselves. I'm assuming that the primary motivation to do those school visits is not necessarily the, the money from the visit itself. Is it just creating those uh, lifelong raving fans um, to get all corporate on you um, by uh, chatting with the kids and creating that unique experience. I remember Dustin Brady, he, he threw flash fire paper at me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Honestly, I, I just love it. You know, I, I just, I really like doing it. Um, so that's, you know, again, a selfish reason why. Um, but, but again, the, the reason, you know, we, we've talked a lot about selling books and, and, and making sales. Um, but honestly, the, the reason that, that I write and the reason that I, I continue to write and that I like writing um, is that, especially for reluctant readers, is that I get a lot of notes from, from parents and teachers that, you know, my kid never liked a book before. Um, they would never touch a book before, but he read your book. Um, he loves it. And, and he's, he's asking for more books from different authors. And, and, and this is a book that got him into reading. And, and just being able to do that um, on a per book basis is great. And then being able to see that kind of connect with kids um, in, in, uh, in a uh, presentation, um, is, is really cool to, uh, to experience, you know, where I, I've asked, you know, I'll start out my presentation. How many kids like video games? Every hand goes up. How many kids like reading and, and no hands go up. And, and, you know, and by the end, um, you know, they're, they're very, in, they're very into it and they get, get feedback later from teachers who said, you know, the, these kids are going back and, and reading your books and they're very excited about it. Um, and, and so it's kind of that mission part of it too. Um, in addition to, I, I just really like it and it's, it's a really, you know, it's a, it's a fun rush to be able to stand up there, um, and talk to them for an hour. And in addition to that, it is, uh, really cool to be able to see kids connect with books, um, in a way that they wouldn't if they hadn't met an author, you know? 
We have talked uh, a lot about uh, money and sales because this is a show <laughs> primarily for uh, uh, for for other writers and and for publishing professionals and, and people that are really into the the nerdy stuff. But I, I always joke I've got a a background in, in finance and financial consulting, um, and I never started a conversation about how to plan for your retirement or, or how to make the most out of your money. With first thing you do is write a book. That 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 was never how that conversation <laughs> opened up. No. <laughs> uh, so obviously there's there's something far more satisfying. You're you're an Amazon seller. You could sell, you know, portable CD players and anything else that was gonna have a profit margin. This is obviously a, a passion project and, and, and something that you love. So what um what are you planning to do next? Are there other other projects that you're still yearning to work on, stories you, you want to tell? Are you looking at anything beyond middle grade? Or are you gonna stay very middle grade focused? Yeah, um, I'm going to continue middle grade focus because, like I said before, that's what I, I know the best. That's what I feel most comfortable with. And I, I really don't have a desire to write long books um, <laughs> personally. So um, I, I do want to I, I'm starting to work on um, a series that's going to be geared towards traditional publishing. And it's it's a different experience. Um, but I, I do want to, um, work on that and I, and get that off the ground. Um, and then in the meantime, you know, traditional market generally, they don't want more than one book a year from an author and, and my books are short and I can write more than one book a year. So why not? Um, so I do continue to plan to continue writing, um, indie books. Um, and because it is, you know, it, it is more fun not to have to worry about those, those extra things and, and just worry about this is an adventure um, for, for you, young, reluctant reader, and you're going to really like it. And it was really fun to write and you're going to have a lot of fun reading it. Um, so I, I do still enjoy writing those and I do plan on continuing writing those and keeping a mix um, of both uh, things right now. Do you... Um... Do you keep to a regular writing schedule? Do you have a daily word count goal? How do you uh, decide what's a successful uh, writing week or writing month? Yeah, I do. Um, so, like, I really like having written something, um, but I don't generally like 80% of the mornings, I don't enjoy the act of writing it. Um, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it just feels like pushing a, a boulder up a hill and it's, uh, it's tough for me a lot of days to, to, to do it. Um, so I have to make myself do it. You know, I, I have uh, an app that turns off the internet um, and, and on my on a computer, on the phone, and it is ironclad and I can't get back on for two hours. And so um, my goal is to have that on for two hours every morning and um, to, and, and sometimes it depends on what stage of writing I am, but it, it might be to write, um, you know, I might, I might try to write a thousand words during that time, or, or if I'm writing real fast, 2000 words. Um, but, but it's just having those two hours every morning to do that. And, and so, you know, I'll do things to, to make myself do that. You know, if I don't turn that app on or schedule it as soon as I wake up, you know, sometimes you, you start doing stuff, getting stuff on, you know, I'm, I'm working on Amazon. So it feels like I'm working, but I'm really just kind of putting off writing. Um, and so, uh, I have a, a calendar where I, where I, right next to my desk where I mark down, um, you know, I color in each day. And if I got to two hours, it's a full page, a full, the full block is colored. And I write two hours. And so that keeps me on track and, and motivated and things like that. Um, you know, and, and some days I, some days I do, some days I don't. And then, um, you know, once a week I'll go to the library and write, um, for, you know, put in an extra four or five hours at the library every day. But, um, for me, that seems to, to work for me to, to get me to, to write like that. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, and then if I'm editing, that's a little bit easier to kind of get into, 
um, especially if it's a later stage of editing. So that one I don't mind working on in the afternoon and things like that. Um, but generally, if I don't write in the morning, um, it's not going to happen. That makes sense. And then are you a uh, are you an ardent plotter? Or are you a write it by the seat of your pants or somewhere in between? Um, somewhere in between, but more uh, pantsing. Um, I but at the at the beginning of the book, um, I'll you know in my mind I just kind of I kind of have the book um, in in three acts generally, and it's not not following any anything in particular. But but you know before I start writing the book, I'll generally have an idea what the end is, and then maybe at the end of Act One and at the end of Act Two, and almost always. Um, all three of those things change uh, along the way, but I'll, I'll start working on it and start working towards something. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and then basically going by the seat of my pants as I start, as I'm writing it. Um, and then in the second draft, connecting everything and, and making it uh, the beginning now has to connect to the new end and things like that. Makes sense. That uh, makes me almost nervous because you're talking uh, one to two thousand uh, words when you're when you're really on it. And I'm thinking, my, my God, if you're only doing twenty to twenty five chapters, that's <laughs> that's a significant <laughs> portion of the book. <laughs> so let me let me ask the required follow up. How many drafts are you typically going through? How much time are you spending in revision? Then yeah, so um, I'm going to. Uh, so it, it depends on the, the first the first go through. Um, if I'm if I'm really concentrating on it and and uh, really working at it, I, I might um, I'm working on making that first draft good. So that first draft it'll alternate between sections that are well written and sections that are just kind of scribbled in. Um, and so if I'm working on a well written section, um, you know I, I might end up writing in those two hours uh, 500 words, 700 words. If I'm just scribbling it in, it might might be 2,500 words or something like that. So that directly relates to how long it's going to take me in my second draft, how much of that was scribbled in. Um, and so that second draft is really where I go through um, and uh, and make everything good. Um, and so, you know, it, it's taking those those uh, chapters that were that I worked on really hard in the first draft and, and maybe making changes here and there, um, adding things to kind of connect the dots to later in the book and things like that. Um, for book, for chapters that I scribbled in, it's kind of going back and doing the hard work of actually like scrapping everything and writing again. Um, and so that's, that's generally the second draft is, is by the end of the second draft, the whole book is consistently the same quality, which is good. Um, the third draft is, is then making it uh, really good. Uh, so going through and, um, you know, editing and, and taking out things that don't belong, um, simplifying things. A lot of times when I'm writing, I don't use uh, complicated language, but I'll, I'll make plot points way too complicated. Um, so I'll, I'll take things out um, and, and kind of streamline things a little bit um, and, uh, you know, add some foreshadowing, add some some different things and, and just really taking a critical look on that third chapter to, to, to go from good um, to, to really close to great. Um, and then the fourth pass uh, going through and um, taking and, and then and then doing a lot of proofreading and, and um, fixing some problems there. Um, so it's it's four main uh, drafts, I would say. And then and then fifth, sixth, seventh is really fine tuning things sometimes. Um, but those four main drafts are the four ways I think about it. And, and um, you know, they can take uh, a long time. They can take a short time. Um, but, you know, sometimes there's there's multiple steps within each of those drafts. But that's generally kind of how I work. 
And are you uh, ardently that if I'm drafting, I'm drafting, don't go back and, and do any rewriting? Or do you do that yeah. along the way the first time? No, around? I do. Um, I use Scrivener, so I go back and, and on the little note card for each chapter, I'll write, uh, okay, now we're going to do this in the back. So I, so, so I, I remember it, um, but I don't go back and rewrite it until that second draft. Makes sense. And Dustin, I, I could talk your face off all night, and I know I've already done it, because uh, I've, I've got so many deeply, deeply nerdy questions for you. Oh, man. Uh, but I'm well, not going to do that. I don't want to over <laughs> abuse your time. Sure. Uh, so let me ask you this uh, one last catch-all question I'd love to ask, uh, and that is if there was anything you could go back and tell past you, if there's somebody out there who's watching or listening, and there most assuredly is, who says, how can I one day be Dustin Brady? What's the uh, one bit of advice you wish you'd had and that you'd want them to have about writing and about publishing? Yeah, I would say like, just do it. Um, for me, uh, I was, you know, there's no reason I couldn't have written my first book five years earlier than I did. Um, I just, you know, I always kind of wanted to do it. I just, you know, and it didn't take that long to write it. It was a fairly short book. Um, but I just, you know, didn't, it was just this little, this bear in my head where, you know, I felt like oh, I have to do more research. I have to learn more. I have to get better. And like the only way you're going to get better is, is by sitting down and writing it. Um, and so I guess my advice to myself when I was younger would be just to, to, to sit down and do it. And, um, same thing for people. I think people spend a lot of time while well, I got I'm going to take this course and I'm going to, um, you know, I, I got to ask these questions that in the end don't really matter. Um, and, and just like, just sit down and, and write it and put it out there and learn and then do it again. Makes sense to me with the exception that if you're in Indiana near the Indiana Writers Center and you're thinking about <laughs> taking one of my courses, oh. absolutely take that course. That, take that, that course. Title no, no, no. Yeah. But otherwise just do it. I love it. Yeah. Everybody has to take that course. Um, but once you've taken it. <laughs> so, um, Dustin, where uh, can esteemed audience find you online? Where can they, where can they stalk you? Um, yeah, so just go to my website. I don't have uh, like an author Facebook page or I'm not, don't do much on social media. Um, so go to my uh, website. It has my books. Um, you can email me there and I'd be happy to answer any questions you have or just chat with you a little bit there. So um, my website is DustinBradyBooks.com or just search Dustin Brady in Google and you'll, you'll find some, some way to contact me, I'm sure. And esteemed audience, if you don't know it by now, of course, I'm at middlegradeninja.com. Uh, head there. Make sure you come back next week. We're going to be talking um, with Molly O'Neill, literary agent Molly O'Neill, on Tuesday. Uh, on Friday, we'll be talking with author Amber Smith. Both going to be wonderful conversations, so make sure you find your way back for that. Don't forget to download your free ebook of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees. Next time at your, you're at your library, say, hey, Miss Librarian, please include this uh, book with your with your children's section. Uh, and ask them if the adult books, too. Why not? You're already there. You're already making the ask. Go, go nuts. Um, Dustin, I've been asking our guests to sign us off with our sign-off phrase, the very ninja-like phrase, hi-ya, and what have you. Will you sign us off? Sure. Uh, hi-ya, and what have you. <laughs>